Welcome to your weekly update on all things tax. The Tax Factor from Blick Rothenberg. With Heather Sell and Robert Salter. I'm Heather Self. Welcome to The Tax Factor, the weekly podcast from Blick Rothenberg. Each week, our team looks at the news and updates in the world of tax and provides some analysis of what it might mean for you and your business. We've reached a bit of a milestone this week. This is our 10th episode and all the signs are it's going to be an interesting few months ahead with the autumn statement and then an election at some point. Joining me today is Robert Salter. He's a tax director at Blick Rothenberg who writes for many publications about tax and finance matters. Welcome to The Tax Factor, Robert. Thank you. It's the Conservative Party conference this week, but despite their traditional enthusiasm for tax cuts, the Chancellor Jeremy Hunter said there's no room for them in the short term. I listened to one of the conference events, a debate hosted by the Institute for Fiscal Studies and the Chartered Institute of Tax, and there were three key points that came across to me. Firstly, inflation is having an impact not just on all of us for the cost of living, but on government costs as well, which are going up and up. Debt interest is massively higher than it was a couple of years ago. A lot of government debt is index linked. And of course, public services had to be funded. The NHS workforce plan published not that long ago implies an extra 50 billion has to be found somewhere over the coming years. So Robert, it's all looking a bit gloomy on the tax cut front. Just how high are personal taxes at the moment? Certainly in many ways, I think personal taxes for a lot of us are higher than they've been certainly in a generation. And there's a lot of people these days who are caught by higher taxes, for example, in a way they wouldn't think of themselves as higher earners, but are caught by, for example, moving into 40% tax band when they earn just over £50,000 or become liable to tax when they're only part-time workers on minimum wages now, whereas, you know, historically they would have been comfortably under the tax bands. And I believe that's raising something like £100 over the life of a parliament. That's just a huge sum. It's, I think, even anything, it's £100 over the next financial year. So I'd seen figures which suggest over the last couple of years they've raised something like 150 billion and they're going to raise more going forward. So obviously there's lots of ifs and buts in any of those things but overall there's no doubt fiscal drag is creating a lot of money for the Chancellor and the government. So I personally suspect some of that might be given back in a small way even if it's just changing tax bans slightly or something like that because with an election on the horizon I can't believe they wouldn't try and give something as some sort of sweetener. Indeed. And meanwhile on corporation tax the rate's now gone up to 25%. That doesn't sound too high. I'm old enough to remember when the rate of corporation tax was 52%. But in those days, everybody got capital allowances at 100% on everything they spent. They even got 50% on any building costs. What we're finding now is that although the rate isn't all that high, the actual tax take on corporation tax has gone up. The base is broader. You're paying tax on more of your profits. And so the total amount of corporation tax that the government's collecting is going up and up. And as someone who specialises in corporate tax, I find that frustrating. Corporation tax is an inefficient tax. Tax is never paid by companies. It's always ultimately paid by individuals. And if you impose more tax on companies, then at that initial stage when a company is deciding where they're going to build their next factory, the UK, I think, is going to lose out. But as we've said, there's not much scope to cut it at the moment. One other tax that it has been proposed should go up is to do with private schools. What are, what are Labour suggesting in that area, Robert? Well, Labour have had kind of two ideas and they kind of slightly changed their minds on occasions, but they've talked about introducing VAT on private schooling and then also potentially looking at the moving the business rates of the leaf that charities, which most private schools are, presently are entitled to. 
So certainly the VAT would potentially put 20% on the kind of price of a school fee. You know, would that price people out of the market, for example, and put them into the state system? It must be a possible danger. How difficult is that actually going to be? I mean, we all talk about private schools as if we all know what they are, but I think there's quite a few things that would qualify as private education that perhaps nobody's thought about yet. I, I agree, Heather. So, you know, the reality is universities are fundamentally private institutions. They're charities, they charge fees. What's the difference between the university and most schools? You don't have to go to university in most cases. You go to university because you think it's a good decision. But unless you're perhaps studying to be a vet or a doctor, you know, you can become an accountant, you can become a lawyer without going to university. So you know, what's the difference between a private school and a university? Similarly, at the other end, you know, most kindergartens, play schools, nurseries are typically private. And they're funded by the, ta- you know, in effect, taxpayers through their own fees, typically, rather than, you know, getting any payment from the government or anything like that. But they are still controlled by Ofsted in terms of standards, expectations and things like that. So, again, just like a private school, they are private. And I think we've got to be very careful here because you could catch and have unexpected consequences unless you're very, very careful when you're drafting legislation. It's interesting, though, that Scotland has managed to remove the business rates relief. I looked it up before we started recording. And they've got the Non-Domestic Rates Scotland Act 2020, which removes eligibility for rates relief from private schools, but it leaves it in place for special schools and schools for musical excellence. So they have managed to find a definition that works there. Perhaps the rest of the UK could borrow from Scotland if a a future government does want to introduce that measure. You know, I think, you know, certainly I'm a firm believer in learning from other people and other ways of doing things. So if Scotland has done something and it has genuinely worked without, for example, negative consequences in terms of putting people into the state system that put more pressure on the state system, I think we should look at it and listen to it because otherwise you're you're in danger of kind of recreating something which doesn't need to be recreated. So if there's a system there that can work, it's definitely something that any government should look at, at least consider. As I said at the beginning, it's been party conference week this week for the the Conservatives. Next week, it's Labour and we'll we'll see what they have to say. I suspect they will quite enjoy coming in after the Conservative Party this year because they'll be able to uh, throw cold water on everything that the Prime Minister has said this week. One of the things in his speech on Wednesday was about encouraging teachers by giving them tax-free bonuses. That sounds like a marvellous idea, doesn't it, Robert? I Well, I would certainly love a tax-free bonus, and I think most of us would. But where's this magic money tree? I think that's always a big question. And if you say teachers are special, what about nurses? What about doctors? What about social workers, etc. Where does this stop? I don't mind teachers getting bonuses. I mean, my mum was a teacher, so it must be a good idea. What I object to is the idea of giving tax-free bonuses, because that's really tinkering with the tax system unnecessarily. If you want to give a tax-free bonus of £5,000, why not just give a taxable bonus of six or £7,000 so that you get the same net cost, but without making a difference between people who've got student loans, people who haven't got student loans, people who might be higher rate or not higher rate. Don't use the tax system when you don't need to. I certainly can approve of that because I think one of my principles with tax is, you know, it needs to be as simple, as easy, as logical and as consistent as possible. And having all these nuances about, oh, teachers being in a different package for something compared to other people, it just creates a necessary confusion and complexity, which isn't necessary. And the other side of it is, yes, it looks good in a headline perspective, but it cost-wise, as you said, quoting 7,000 and getting 5,000 at the end of the day, the cost of the exchequer would fundamentally be the same. So 
Let's keep it simple. Something else that governments keep promising to do, a bit like HS2, which I believe they have now cancelled, they keep promising to tackle... Only partly cancelled. They've only partly cancelled it. <laughs> They've cancelled the important bit, the bit that goes to Manchester. You could get to Birmingham, but you could get to Birmingham quite quickly anyway, so yeah. Uh, they keep promising to tackle avoidance and evasion, but I saw an interesting article earlier this week saying that, in fact, HMRC have only taken 11 prosecutions of wealthy people for tax evasion in the last year. What do you think about that? I find that quite worrying, in effect, because... I think the implication is that many people who are probably doing things which are criminal are actually being able to get away with, in effect, voluntary disclosures or civil penalties, for example, rather than perhaps the criminal penalties which they might genuinely kind of be guilty of. The danger there is you're creating kind of a, a slightly mixed message to people who are, you know, playing fast and loose with the regulations. And I think you need to be much better and more consistent in pursuing the iffy cases and saying it is a criminal case, we should take it to criminal court. But the other side of that, those 11 cases came out of about 300 investigations. There's an awful lot of people suffering that the stress and worry of an investigation who don't end up being prosecuted, presumably because when HMRC looked properly, they found they haven't done anything wrong. That is potentially the case and we'll never fully know. And, you know, it's obviously certain things should always be private, but it may be that some of those were actually just, in effect, settled as civil cases rather than, you know, so there was still tax, in effect, missing, but it was just captured by the civil system rather than the criminal system. But yes, a chunk of those may genuinely be 100% innocent, have done nothing wrong and had all the costs, the stress, the strain, the pressure associated with a HMRC inquiry, which they're totally innocent about. So that could be an issue too, yes. My thanks to Robert for joining me on this week's Tax Factor. We'd also like to hear from you. If you visit the Tax Factor page on our website, you'll find a form to contact us. Let us know the stories and topics that you'd like us to cover. We record the podcast on a Wednesday, so you can message us right up to the Time we record. I'm sorry, but we can't give individual advice or responses to messages. You can hear all the previous episodes of The Tax Factor on the Blick Rothenberg website, and we release a new episode every Friday on all the popular podcast platforms. That's all for this week. I'm Heather Self. Goodbye. That's all for this episode of The Tax Factor. Find all our previous episodes wherever you get your podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, why not try Brave Business, our podcast series for entrepreneurs. Find it wherever you get The Tax Factor or on the Blick Rothenberg website. The Tax Factor.